This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly, the business end of the Champions League and some things you already knew. Riyad Mahrez is bad at penalties, Lionel Messi is good, Kylian Mbappe is also good, Juventus are bad, Celtic just aren't quite good enough. Not a vintage night of football, but we'll guide you through it. Another win for Graham Potter, whose excellent start continues, rotating his team and getting results. There's an absolutely sensational miss to discuss. Could it be higher than 10 on the Rosenthal range? There's also a Gary O'Neill being really annoyed about the handball law. Some interesting stuff from Qatar for Philippe to get his teeth in to and a full report on Cambridge United ending a run of five straight defeats which we didn't mention with a flying win at Wickham. All that plus what is acceptable to have embroidered on your football boots and how newsworthy is a story if the only person you can quote is me. We'll answer your questions and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, on the panel today, Barry Glendening, welcome. Hello. <laughs> I really hope they keep in five seconds before then that mean nothing to uh, people listening. Uh, Jonathan Faduba, welcome. Hello, everyone. Hello, Philippe Auclair. Bonjour. Uh, let's start uh, in Group E. Uh, just so you know, Philippe was a bit late. Jonathan has to go early. We've got another pod to do in a bit. I was really just taking the piss. <laughs> Barry just said, Get on with it in a rude way. Here we go. Group E. Chelsea are through as group winners uh, on head-to-heads with Milan. Uh, below the Macy Milan need to avoid defeat to Salzburg to go through. If Salzburg win, they are through. Zagreb need to beat Chelsea to have a chance of getting into the Europa League. Let's start with Chelsea's win uh, away at Salzburg. Two lovely goals here, Jonathan. And I suppose the difference for Graham Potter between managing Brighton and managing Chelsea is you have players who can score goals full stop. That's it. You have players who can score goals. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, besides looking more debonair, you also uh, you also have players who can who can s- slap one in the top corner from twenty five yards out, and you don't have to worry about expected goals. Um, so that was nice. Um, yeah, <laughs> to be fair, he's he's done a fantastic job so far. They they look so fluid, Chelsea, and I, I don't know if this is kind of maybe a confidence thing. And he's just come in and you know stopped playing, for example, Loftus Cheek as a as a, as a wing back, and and you know just put people in the right positions and and maybe given them a bit of. Uh, positivity but the way that they're actually playing and the intricacy of their passing has been really impressive and also how they react to setbacks you know they they were obviously went one it went one all uh it was really quite a good atmosphere against against Chelsea um 
and you thought maybe they might wobble a little bit. He's rotated the squad slightly with Pulisic coming in and others, but they didn't really show any signs of kind of nerves or, you know, they showed great resilience. Um, so obviously the level of the, of the, of the team is, is higher when you've got players like Kai Havertz. That was a brilliant strike. Um, but yeah, nicer, nice, nicer, nicer suits and also better players who can score goals. It's interesting you say putting players in, in their sort of correct positions when you see sort of Sterling and Pulisic sort of playing wing back, Barry, which is not where I'd expect to see either of those players, but it, it kind of works. Yeah, it did work. I mean, as Johnson said, they are very fluid and there's lots of intricacy and in players filling in for each other and if you've got Pulisic and Sterling playing as wing-backs, you've then behind them got uh, Trevo Chalaban, Mark Cucurella, either side of Thiago Silva, who can cover for them when they go forward. There's midfielders in cover. So, um, it's, it, it, people will have expected Chelsea to win that game, but it's it was Salzburg's first defeat at home, I think, in 41 games. So that's quite a record to put an end to. Uh, I, I thought Salzburg might get a result here, but Chelsea ran out 2-1 winners and should have won by a lot more, but Salzburg goalkeeper Philippe Cohn was probably man of the match. He made some tremendous saves, particularly from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who wasn't his night. Uh, he was foiled by the keeper on quite a few occasions. And Giorgino had a header cleared off the line as well. So I think the score flattered Salzburg and a, good performance by by a Chelsea team whose manager looks to the manner born and the only question in fact Max is that uh, would they have scored more goals with Cristiano Ronaldo on the pitch <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild rumour that isn't it it can't yeah, be I mean it's, it's just that insane on Napoli, which both seem ridiculous the, the thing as well, I mean, Barry said to the manner born, but it's um, it's the gentle manner of it as well. It's the kind of naturalness of of, of it all. Uh, the fact that Kukurela, who didn't have perhaps the best of stars in his Chelsea career, is finding, you know, is finding his feet, so to speak, which a football for a footballer is quite important. Uh, the fact that Trevor Chalobah now looks like somebody you think, oh, maybe he should actually be part of ground of Gary Southgate's squad for Qatar. Uh, Thiago Silva, who's I, mean, I don't know. He still doesn't age at all. Uh, was again very important yesterday. Uh, I don't know. Things seem to happen in a kind of natural, normal way, which is totally not dramatic, uh, whilst at the same time producing football that is very pleasing on the eye indeed. So Grand Potter might be a good manager, Max, I want to reveal <laughs> on, on this pod. He might actually be quite good at what he does. Not just yeah. well-dressed, and he's very yeah. well-dressed. Think you might have you know, a point. he's, I think, what Nagelsmann is, is is aiming at, but will not get. Right. As as in terms of just aesthetically or or, or football-wise as well? Who knows? Perhaps both. But sartorially, the kind of ease as well as the, the way he dresses, uh, I don't know which kind of um, pop or, or rock school would you link his sartorial style to when it comes to uh, Potter. You think it's a pop star? It doesn't... No, I think it's... I, I, if I were not nice to him, I would say Chris Martin, and and I'm sorry, I apologise for that. More, more Johnny Cash, surely. Okay. See, I quite like cold. I quite like. Of Coldplay course you do. Right. I mean, of course you. Yeah, do. of course I do. <laughs> what? I don't see what's wrong with that. I mean, I don't listen to them every minute of the day, but I don't. If it comes on the radio, I just tap along and have a nice time. 
I don't think, you know, I don't think it's an insult. But, you know, people can like different things. What do you mean, of course I do, Barry? What does that mean? I'm just so middle of the yeah. road. Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah. It's entirely in keeping with your vanilla personality. <laughs> the, the caveat, the only caveat would be the fact that there is one player who is not firing on all cylinders and seems to be going through a little bit, not a crisis, but a moment of lesser confidence is uh, Obama Young, who again um, was a bit hesitant in front of goal. I mean, when there's one particular chance where clearly his first touch, you could see he was thinking, oh, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, I'd better not miss that one. And he did. And um, that's perhaps the only thing that is slightly obscuring blue clouds over Chelsea. That is Blue clouds. Um, there are, yeah. There's no such thing as blue clouds. Blue skies can, over Chelsea. There can, be if you, there can be if you want. That inner monologue is exactly my inner monologue in a one-on-one in the level of signed football. Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> Jonathan, it's interesting when we, we talk about, you know, it's, it helps to have good players. And I wonder if that that is sort of how we should we should analyse football more a bit like that. You know, like when we're talking about, we're constantly talking about Ralph Hasenhutl and is he good? And really, at the end of each game, we should just say, his players aren't as good as the opposition. And so it, it's not really fair to judge him. You know, it sort of seems like perhaps... This is this is this is sort of shown the Achilles heel of everything that we're trying to do on a sort of almost daily basis. Yeah, I read somewhere once that they should. Uh, I think it was a manager who was saying that you don't get um, kind of like the wage bill next to the league table, if you know what I mean. And if you had the price of every player or whatever or the squad next to the table, it would make more context. I think it was a manager who was struggling and sort of trying to justify that you know I can't, I can't basically I can't do it. You know, my hands my hands are tied. Uh, I'm not sure anyone will really enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> It, it wasn't. It wasn't Gaultier at PSG. <laughs> no, was it? let's face it. It definitely wasn't Gaultier, but I think it might have been Sean Dyche. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway, um, the, the, yeah, you're right. Good, good players do help you to do better. But I think the 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 thing with obviously going back to Chelsea, the thing that Graham Potter's done is is a bit like Philippe just mentioned. They they actually look really coherent. It doesn't kind of look like a. Uh, it almost looks as if they've had a preseason since he's joined. And I remember when when Tuchel joined, he, he it was very similar. Like he immediately came in and managed to sort of implement his ideas like within a few weeks. And I think that's a sign of a really sort of good coach, like really clear on on, on his ideas. Obviously, how long it will last will be seen, but you, you have to bear in mind. Obviously, players like top players. I think I suppose the one thing people would have been saying about Potter is, oh well, he's never managed these big dressing room characters and they might have been looking at him a little bit and saying, well, you know, what are you going to do with me? But he's managed to also integrate. You know the players who maybe weren't getting as much game time, Conor Gallagher, Pulisic. Like they, he, he sort of seems to have um, bonded with each each player pretty much more or less. So I think it's really remarkable to do that whilst we're in the middle of a season where there's games literally you know twice a week. So that that is pretty. I think um, does deserve commending like how well he's adapted, uh, considering he's never managed at that level before. Yeah, some of the moves in the first half were, were beautiful, weren't they? And he does he is rotating. Uh, a lot. Uh, Milan won 4-0 in Zagreb in the other game in this group. Philippe, Raphael, oh, a tea is just coming through the door. This is so wonderful to see. the uh... Room service, yes. Uh, Milan won 4-0 in, in, in Zagreb. I mean, the the only thing to say about this game, Philippe, is that Raphael Liao is just special. That goal where the opposition just kind of melted away was beautiful, wasn't it? Yes, and, and there's a kind of, uh, can I use the word almost nobility? as is uh, his elegance when he runs with the ball. It is absolutely wonderful. And I, I'm actually pinching myself and thinking, is it the same player who went, who, who was at Lille? 
Is it the same player who was bought for zero euro, if I'm not mistaken? And um, the answer is yes. Uh, it's absolutely, yeah, absolutely marvelous to to see that. And uh, I think Portugal might have a, a an alternative up front at the World Cup. No, he's he's abs- he's been absolutely extraordinary, and uh, he. I mean, I don't know if we can say much about the, the game itself because, to be honest, that the opposition was not the strongest. And you could, if you were nitpicking, I suppose you could say that actually one of his goals, they were melting, but in a way he had pushed the ball too far. It was almost as if there was this kind of force field around him, and then they would they would go boom, boom, boom on each side, and you know, when he was running alongside. Yeah, I mean. I- I did think that it was almost it was a weird goal because it looked like he didn't have the ball at any time, but it also looked like no defender could get anywhere near him to stop him. So I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> Maybe just everybody just lost control of their senses. Well, I think the 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 the, the acceleration is there, and talk about this moment when you are in doubt in front of goal. Well, he certainly didn't have that. There's there was a a, a false ease on the eye as to the difficulty of what he actually achieved. It's absolutely major talent. He is a major talent. You are correct. Group G, uh, this group's done. City, Man City win the group. Dortmund are through in second. So here into the Europa League. A goalless at Dortmund. The first time that Borussia Dortmund have failed to score at home since June 2020. So that is quite a long time. Ian says, Manchester City, penalties, how, why? Um, why, why is Riyad Mahrez still taking penalties? Um, I think Man City have missed something like 25 in 80 or something extraordinary. Um, our mate Musa Kwonga, um from Stadio saying, look, Riyad Mahrez is still taking penalties so City feels something. You know, it's the same reason a supervillain explains their evil plan to the hero before letting themselves be challenged to a duel. It does seem odd, Barry, that Pep doesn't seem to care about penalty taking when he cares about everything else to such a minute degree. Well, I think he does care. I mean, the reason Riyad Mahrez took the penalty is because... Erling Haaland had gone off at half time. I think he he got a knock from a tackle from Emre Chan, who also gave away the penalty, and he apparently had a fever. He he's got goal fever, we know that, but he had a <laughs> a, a more debilitating fever. Oh, um, stop it. It would it would be funny actually if that was the thing that that stopped him. He, he's succumbed to goal fever and is lying in bed shivering, sweating. Yeah, so that's the reason um, Riyad Mahrez took the penalty. Maybe someone else should have taken it because he's missed 10 out of 30, I think, in his career, which isn't a very good record. Uh, It was a good save. So um, uh, Gregor Koble deserves plenty of credit. It was a very good penalty save. I've I've seen far worse penalties go in. But, um, yeah, you... it didn't matter ultimately because it was a result that sh- uh, suited both teams, but um, it, it is a weird one that could prove costly at some point further down the line. Philippe Mark Langdon was telling me yesterday that in the book Pep Confidential, right, he says he doesn't care who takes penalties, and so and that record of twenty five in eighty, right, twenty five being missed out of eighty, is, that is a lot of penalties being missed, isn't it? Uh, that's yeah, that's way. That's way above the average, which would be about 71, 72%. If you know, so uh, are you good at uh, m- mental arithmetic? Not that good. Or, or, or do you have a calculator at hand? And 
but it's basically worse than the 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 average and uh which is absolutely extraordinary uh considering the uh, the technical level and you would think well penalty taking should be a technical exercise should surely well clearly it isn't uh, because if that were the case i mean there, there would be uh no, he doesn't have a Giroud. You saw the Giroud penalty. Uh, uh, that was completely, uh, completely unstoppable. And you've got the percentage now, Max. I see this expression on your face. So I think and I it's... think it works out that Man City have scored 69% of their penalties. Whereas penalties... Well, you said maybe pe- it's, no, no, hang on, it's hang on. such a no, no, huge no, no, deviation. Penalties are scored ah. 85% of the time. So that is quite a lot. Okay, so I was thinking of Leo Messi's penalty uh, percentage, which is very low as yeah. well. So Messi is low. And so is Manchester City. So obviously being not very good at penalty at penalty kicks is actually very good for you. <laughs> um, We've got a new theory here. Joe says, how is Emre Chan only 28 <laughs> years old? Which is a really is brilliant question. Well, that's what he said. Again, you know, I, I, I don't mean to do frantic research during a pod, but yeah, apparently Emre Chan is 28 years old. I mean, that is a start. I, th- I had him at least 35 absolutely astonishing i mean he still looks quite young but i when he gave the penalty away barry i just thought well he's old and slow so it's kind of okay but actually should be peak year for emre chan maris tripped over his zimmer frame <laughs> anyway what else do we read into this jonathan you know city have, have drawn their last two champions league games nil nil but you know they had a man sent off against copenhagen they've won the group they've done everything they need to do right yeah there's not much to read into this game except don't let Riyad Mahrez take penalties in future. I don't know how they continue to do it. Uh, nearly cost them one, if not two titles, one at Anfield. Um, I can't remember who won the league that year. I think it was, I think it was, I think, did Liverpool win the league that year? They might have done. Um, and also the West Ham one. Was that the one when he booted it over? Yeah, yeah in the last minute yeah. at Anfield. Then obviously the one at West Ham Stadium where, you know, it was such a, you know, they, they managed to turn that around in the end, in the last few minutes of, of the season, but that was a key penalty as well. So I think that was more or less the only conclusion from the match. Um, Harlan went off at half-time, maybe with a slight injury. There was some talk of him having a fever, some talk of him having a, a strain. But there wasn't much else to draw from this, except that Jude Bellingham is one of the best talents I've seen probably ever. <laughs> I, I think you, everybody, it's a pity that nobody can see the smile on Jonathan's face when he, <laughs> when he talked about Jude Bellingham. I think a smile which is shared by absolutely everybody. I, like, <laughs> I, can't, get, I can't get over how good he is. Like, I just, I just, like, I'm 19 to be playing the way he is in the Champions League and the level of maturity, like even when he speaks after the game, um, he talks like he's the captain and the leader of the, of, of the club. And I think, I, I, met, I said it, I think on, on Twitter or whatever, but like the, the, the level of kind of maturity you need to be able to go to a foreign country, like, and you know, he's, I think he's embraced the language, he's really well respected by his teammates. Like to, to, to be able to do that at 19, is, I think sometimes you don't even realise how, how impressive that is. But yeah, that, that's that's why the the big smile on my face, Philippe. I just I just think he's a, f- a fantastic like player, and you know, as a person, he seems like a nice guy as well. Where do you think he'll go? Do you think he'll go this summer? I mean, I, I can't remember what his contract situation is, and, and where do you think he'll go? He's uh, under contract until uh, June twenty twenty five, so I think people will start. Uh, and I was looking at what our, our friends from Transfer Market was putting at his value. They were putting 81 million. I think you can multiply that by two, perhaps. Well, obviously, add a World Cup winner's medal, which he'll certainly of course <laughs> by go, Christmas. That goes with that. That goes with <laughs> that, saying. that saying. You're absolutely right. I was going to say one thing about this game, and I know Barry thinks it's not a very interesting thing to say, but it struck me. 
because it, when the you know UEFA gives the uh, the team sheets and they give uh, they give you a tactical team sheet, and the tactical team sheet is always that wrong. They gave bear, it's always wrong. It, it bore no resemblance <laughs> whatsoever. I said Dortmund's back three was actually a back four because Torgan Hazard was was playing as a full back, and and the back the back four of Manchester City was any was a two three five because John Stones was playing either as a third centre back or as an additional midfielder, and I, I, it was at at some stage, especially when you watch this on television and you don't have a full picture of the of the pitch, you're wondering what on earth is going on here, and um, yes, so it was just a remark en passant that. The way we describe games, you know, four, four, one, one, whatever, is uh, perhaps a little bit old-fashioned, and we have to think of perhaps better ways of explaining what we see on the pitch. That's a very good point. And as it's true, like sometimes when we're doing the the coverage over here, and then they say, "and let's have a look at the lineup, the Man United lineup," and you're looking at it, like it just comes up with like a formation going. Well, he's not playing there, and he's not playing there, and he's not playing there. So I don't know why we've done that. Anyway, also in that group, Sevilla <laughs> beat Copenhagen three nil. Sevilla have confirmed European football. Very lucky, you think, Philippe? I think they were really flattered by by the scoreline. Uh, Copenhagen actually put a, a team that was much younger than normal because of their situation in the group. There's nothing they could hope for. So they thought, OK, let's give the youngsters a chance. They did extremely well, front of pretty big travelling support, by the way. And Sevilla really, really, really struggled for, for a lot of the time. And, and to be honest, the Danes should have opened the scoring. And it's only because Isco scored an absolute absolute peach of a curler uh, in the top uh, in, in the top corner and they scored also very late on that you've got this score and thinking eh, yeah it was just a normal night at the office it wasn't Copenhagen really did well and Sevilla struggled far more than the scoreline indicates and six teenagers the most number of teenagers uh, ever starting in a Champions League game for Copenhagen so uh, there you go right that'll do for part one part two uh, we'll begin with Celtic out of Europe Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Um, Jacob says, if we buy a ticket to the live show, do we get to meet the elusive Lars Silverton? And this is because Mrs. Rushton uh, recorded a video to try and sell some tickets and she knew everybody's name. She didn't quite get Lars's correctly, but you know, I thought she did a I thought she did an excellent job and I'm happy to use her for more marketing um things. Uh, purposes, whatever the word is, as long as it's not a, an abuse of my power. You did mention, Barry, that she said she'd be babysitting and you pointed out that if it's your own child, it isn't babysitting. No, it's parenting. If I was looking <laughs> after him, it would be babysitting. 
It's a very good point. 17th of November, uh, me, Barry, Lars Silverton and Ellis James uh, go to theguardian.com slash Guardian Live. Uh, we're streaming it around the world as well. We'd love you to join us wherever you are. We very much enjoy getting those photos of people in Shanghai or Brisbane or New Delhi or wherever you are. So uh, we'd like everybody who listens to come and watch it. Let's go to Group F. Real Madrid will win the group if they beat Celtic in their final game. RB Leipzig can overtake them if they beat Shakhtar and Real don't win. But a win for Shakhtar takes them into the knockout at Leipzig's expense because of their head-to-head record. Um, Celtic are out. And that, Barry, for Shakhtar to still be in a position to get through to the group stages is such a great achievement, isn't it? That's an incredible achievement, considering their team is largely comprised of youth academy graduates. And I suppose... In Michaela Mudrik, they have arguably the player of the tournament so far. He is just incredible. Uh, the goal he scored last night was fantastic. Took on Juranovic and, and rifled the ball past Joe Hart into the roof of the net and then set up what should have been the winner only <laughs> <laughs> for his... His pal, uh, who I, I, I'm reluctant to name and shame, uh, Danilo Sican, I think is his name, who... It didn't seem that reluctant. Uh, the, the ball was on a plate for him after brilliant work by Mudrick to, to get the better. Cameron Carter Vickers galloped down the inside left, squares the ball, and um, Sican somehow missed uh, uh, an open goal from eight yards. He didn't go, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. He went, oh shit. And that was that. <laughs> Do you think he was trying to control the ball, Philippe? That's what I thought. Yeah. I think he was trying to take a touch and then, you know, make sure. And his touch was too heavy and took the ball wide. But, oh my God. <laughs> it was so desperate. And he's, he looked so young that you didn't want to, like, you know... He's older than Jude Bellingham, so it's okay. We can like we we can laugh, but what a moment for him! And he looked sort of crestfallen. You could see for like the next few minutes, sort of had his head in his hands. It didn't didn't actually matter, right? It didn't matter for the final scoreline. It didn't matter for what Shakhtar have to do, but it was it was some miss, yeah. And Mudrik, you're right. I mean, he's Jonathan. He's a fantastic player. I don't know if you've had, as I presume you have with all players, had your eye on him for about twenty five years. This guy's so good. And uh, they rejected twenty six million in the sum of him, and and I suspect they'll get a whole lot more for for him. Yeah, I agree that uh, with with Barry's comment, he's been one of the players of the tournament, maybe along with um, Karic Galia at, at Napoli. Uh, just the things he's doing, the kind of breathtaking at the moment, operates on the left and and tends to sort of cut inside rather than maybe go on the outside as as a lot of wingers do um, these days. Just so good, kind of especially in counter attacking transitions, which has become like a massive part of, of football now. And some of the goals he's scoring, you know, like the 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 cheek of it almost, you know, to to be hitting it from there and sort of very little backlift. He doesn't need much space or time to, to hit it. And I think that shows a lot of bravery when you're sort of 21 playing in the Champions League. You know, you've not you've not been at that level too often to take take those kind of shots on. You know, does does take an element of bravery, let alone sort of executing it. So yeah he, he's um there's a lot of people already watching him and scouts and that kind of thing but i think for Shakhtar also securing the europa league is is an achievement in itself as you mentioned mentioned there before max you know just to to, to even be in this position considering everything that's going on and, and to get out of the group with european football to, to to tarry on next year is is a really commendable achievement from everyone in mudrick included 
Barry, any any reasons for optimism for for Celtic? You know, they've they they have competed in all these games. They've competed at times. You know, they came out of the blocks against Real Madrid that, for the first like half an hour. You know, hit the bar, hit the post. In fact, this goal in this game was probably the only bit of luck they've actually had in the entire run. Yeah, the ball broke towards G. Marcus, and he kind of hooked it into the corner. I I would say C plus must try harder. They weren't terrible. But there is an awful lot of room for improvement. But with with better finishing, they could have things could have panned out differently for them. But I, I think they should have done better. With better players. It's the uh, it's the Graham Potter scenario. Well, no, no. I think I think the players they have are capable of better. And showed they are capable of better, but just errant finishing and uh players who can spank the ball home for fun in the SPL or the Scottish Premiership not quite cutting the mustard on on this more elite stage when you know they are similar kind of chances so yeah I'd I'd, I'd say Ange Postacoglu he looked pretty forlorn after the game but said you know to, to improve in the Champions League we need to keep being in the Champions League and um if they go on to win the title they will be in the Champions League next season so yeah, I think you're right. Furuhashi hasn't, because because over the last year or so, so every time I've watched Celtic highlights, it's just him scoring goals and just loads of them. But he hasn't really, it hasn't really worked for him in in the Champions League this season. Uh, also in this group, Real Madrid lost to RB Leipzig. Adam says with Madrid losing a group game, who do you think will score in the final for them? Yeah, it's obviously going to happen, <laughs> is it? And actually, three two, Jonathan probably flattered Real Madrid a bit, didn't it? Yeah, it did a bit. And um, first game they've lost since since May. I think they've that's thirty game thirty games unbeaten, Real Madrid. So um not often that Carlo Ancelotti ha- has faced defeat in, in recent recent months. Obviously already through, so maybe you know, the motivation dropped a couple of percent, which at this level of European football probably makes a bit of a difference. Um but obviously, you know, you've got Timo Werner getting on the score sheet again, so he does seem to like scoring against against Real Madrid. But yeah, no, it was I suppose one of those games that's not quite a dead rubber, but it was it didn't mean that much for Real Madrid. I mean, Timo Werner, by the way, the run for I absolutely love the run and the acceleration for for his goal. It's exactly the kind of run and acceleration he didn't do at Chelsea. There, there was a very clear say. This is how I've got to slightly put the brakes on and then full pelt and cutting the trajectory of the ball absolutely perfectly. One little um, footnote to this game is that which is about the World Cup and about the French midfield, is that the fact that, you know, France will be without N'Golo Kante, might well be without Paul Pogba, so big problem in midfield, what do we do? And many people had said, well, many people, some people had said, well, maybe we could go or Real Madrid here. Germany mm-hmm. Camavinga. Uh, on the strength of that particular game, I don't think Didier Deschamps' mind would have been... Oh, really? Uh, yes. They're such it, good players, aren't they? It's, they? Yeah, it's it's still not quite happening. But it will happen at some point, you know, give them plenty of time. Yeah, I think uh just wanted to, you, you mentioned players that, that to keep an eye on and that kind of thing. Mohamed, Mohamed Simakan, formerly at Strasbourg, Philippe. Um, so you may know about him more than me. But yeah, he, he he's uh, the, the, the right back for, for, for Leipzig, basically. He's, he's a player to look out for. He's been incredible this season. He made one sort of lung-busting run, Reese James style, down down the wing. Um, he's really, he's a top, I think he's a top player. I've watched him a few times in the Champions League this season. Probably one to, to look out for, for sure. I'm not sure if he might even make the French squad, but he, he's one to keep an eye on, 22 years old. Noted. Luka Modric wanted to watch not playing, so they did rest 
Uh, <laughs> they did rest a, a couple of players. Uh, Real Madrid. Uh, Group H, both PSG and Benfica are through. They've both got 11 points. Juve and Maccabi Haifa are both on three points. So first and second in the Europa League spots up for grabs in the final group game. Uh, let's start with uh, Juventus. Another defeat. Callum says, should there be a mini European Super League next summer for all the small clubs that have knocked out Juventus in the past five years? Uh, yeah, Colin Miller, the journalist writing, Ajax, Leon, Porto, Villarreal and Benfica. Five clubs deemed not glamorous enough uh, for the European Super League by one of its key cheerleaders, Juve chairman Andre Agnelli. Sometimes football can be funny. Neil says, can we just have an hour-long pod of Philippe laughing at Agnelli and Juve? Um there we are. They were bad again, like 4-3. Well, four, three. they were bad until the, the the moment where they, I don't know what it was, what kind of reaction. Was it pride? Was it they somehow deep in their collective memory, they remembered that they had some decent players and could play a bit of football? Was it the fact that Benfica couldn't quite believe that we're leading 4-1, it could be 6-1? I think it was because um, they brought a young, you know, the young lads with no fear off the bench. Uh, Samuel Erling Jr., uh, who was absolutely uh, splendid and who deserves a, a very special mention, if if only, uh, well, not if only for this performance, but also the fact that uh, he's, he made a very, very powerful and difficult career choice. Uh, he's a Chelsea uh, Academy product and uh, decided to, well, try his luck abroad. And my goodness... And he did that, I think, and Jonathan probably knows more than I do, but he did that at the time of COVID, which means he really had to cut all, sever all his links with his family and so forth and, and go and live there and find out by himself if he would be you know, strong enough to cut it. And the answer to that is an emphatic yes. He was absolutely magnificent when he, when he came on. So, but it, 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 they, they really were destroyed and they're... There was nothing. I mean, Benfica was were incredibly pleasing on the eye. Um, Rafa Silva looked like he very often does, like a million euros, ten million euros. He, he looked actually like fifty million euros uh, on that particular night. Um, they were simply terrific. But obviously, all the talk is is about Juve and what on earth has happened and how long Allegri can possibly stay in place. And how long it will take for Thomas Tuchel to uh, to learn Italian? I mean, basically, that's that's what the the dialogue is. And on the strength of that particular game, they do need something to uh, to happen, and very very quickly. But it's still very very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Allegri said, "This elimination is not a failure. These things happen in football." I mean, I mean, it feels it feels like a failure. Uh, you're stroking your chin, Jonathan, like a sort of like a. A Bond villain. It is a failure for Juventus, isn't it? They've been they've been absolute garbage in this Champions League. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the. Uh, I just remember the Tuchel pod where we had to re-record because he, <laughs> he, he was sacked during the record. I'm just keeping an eye on Twitter in case because I think, I mean, on uh, you know, I took a look at Gazetta, obviously the Italian um, sports newspaper, and they they said his his destiny is sealed. That was, that was pretty much their quote. Um, he's he will be leaving. Obviously, four four defeats out of five um, in the Champions League, and yeah, it is quite sort of. What's the, I don't know, karma in a way of just the, the teams that are beating them that that um, the the club and certain people at the club have been so sneering of in the past few years and uh, you know the comments saying that nobody wants to watch these sort of small teams they want to see big teams every week well it's quite quite funny seeing um, Juventus getting a little bit of comeuppance but yeah there is there is an issue there I, I think there also there's some issues that are being investigated aren't there as well um, off the field for certain financial things so. It seems like a not a very great time for Juventus as a club in general. 
Um, but maybe there's some hope, as Barry mentioned, with the young players that came on. Sula came on, a 19-year-old. They had another uh, 19-year-old come on, and Ealing Jr. So see how it goes from here. But I don't think Allegri's got too much long left in charge. Look, that Andre Silva volley, little sort of backhill flick, half volley, volley was utterly beautiful. I don't know if it's the goal of the night because we'll get on to PSG, Maccabi Haifa now. Um, Cape Town Gunnar says, Messi continues to play exceptional football. Till what age do you think he'll keep going? Um, if you must, you can also talk about the narcissistic and petulant Portuguese chap, he says. But what do you reckon, Barry? I mean, Messi looks as good now as, as ever, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's adapted his game to suit his advancing years, I suppose. He's a different player now to the one that used to make these scurrying runs through defences and spank the ball into the roof of the net or into the top corner. What age is he? 35? He's older than Emre Chan. That's all I know. Okay, right. He's older than... He will be 36 on my birthday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd I'd love to see him win a World Cup. I'd absolutely love to see him win a World Cup. And if he does that, then he can do whatever he wants. I think if I was him, I'd just retire on the spot. <laughs> which of the um, which of the curled goals Philly, was your was was your favourite? You've got Messi's outside of the right foot. Then you've got Mbappe's first, where he's literally there's no backlift whatsoever. And then you've got the third, which is a, a nicer move. I will always go for the outside of the foot. Yeah, I think Always. you're right. I think you're right. Even though it wasn't as in the corner as as Mbappe's. No, but as the move, just, yeah, it's just perfection. It was just perfection. Uh, it's amazing the, what, the way we're talking about Messi, and we think about the way we were talking about him last year, and uh, when everything seems to be going wrong for him, um, and uh, you know, you you th- you felt he was getting injured quite regularly. He wasn't scoring as many goals. He looked really dejected at times on the pitch. And and now the thing that has been, we've talked about, is the fact that with a new manager like Christophe Galtier, um, suddenly these guys are finding their feet again and they're, they're in danger of becoming decent and dangerous. Despite all the insane amount of, Excuse me, but of shit that is happening in the club. There is not one day when there are no no new revelations about Nassar Al-Falifi, about the way the club works in the French media. Unfortunately, we cannot possibly repeat any of these allegations on the Guardian Football Weekly because that would land us in in, in dear trouble. But uh, please have a look because it's very, very funny. But it doesn't seem very funny and not so funny, but it doesn't seem to affect them at all. And um, the debate as in, Oh, how are they getting on together? Can they play together? When one scores, the other one doesn't. Well, okay, it was only a more modest opponent, shall we say, but it was a, a real demonstration of, of what this trio can do last night. I did like, Philippe, your, um, for the first time ever, you know, just uh, uh, warning people you're about to swear. I mean, I don't believe that is a consistent approach that you've taken on this podcast in the last few years. Um, uh, Jonathan, Mbappe played wants to play off the left, and he did, and Neymar's gone into the middle. Does that mean they're all happy again? Not necessarily. Uh, I, think, I think that there's, it's always going to play out in some way. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know Philippe's perspective. But I, I've I've been a sort of. Um, I've been on the Galtier train for many years, like since going back to a boring personal story. But I used to work in as an analyst in French football when he was at Saint uh, Saint Etienne, and um, 
it's a long time ago now, but I've, I've I've liked him and followed him ever since. And I've I've always been a quite an advocate of Galtier. I think he's a I think he's a brilliant manager. And there was one time he was linked with the Everton job and it never came up. But I thought he would have been a, a good appointment. I just wondered what Philippe thinks about him because obviously you you know you you're closer to it there. But oh, I'm I'm a fan. I I'm a fan, and I'm like you. I've been talking about him for a long time. And and in fact, I I think I remember. Uh, talking about possible managers for for PSG and thinking about Christophe Galtier, uh, uh, the, uh, with Saint Etienne, uh, with Nice, with Lille, with everybody. I mean, he's he's achieved remarkable things and um, formed a very good player himself, by the way. But he's very much he's not somebody who overcomplicates things in tactical terms. He's more he's more of a leader as well. He's very obviously he's got tactical nous. And he's very good at what we call coaching in French, which is basically in in game management. He's very good at that. He's also very good at building teams, which he has shown in every single club he's been in. He's more of a. If I were to compare him, even though their characters are quite different, because he, he can be quite stern at times, Galtier, I would say he's more in the kind of Ancelotti kind of uh, type of manager. So that very safe pair of hands, but incredible capacity of putting players on side and making them, you know, offer something which is, uh, to be honest, absolutely superb. And he's managing it with, with PSG. So be afraid, Max. Be very afraid. Because one of the things that I've been impressed with him at PSG is just the way he's sort of got the buy-in from the likes of Neymar, who's doing a little bit more running, which where Pochettino tended to struggle a little bit last season. There was more sort of tantrums and things like that. Like Gautier, although he's not a huge name in world football, He's, he's, he's very good at getting people to buy into his ideas. And he seems to have done that even with the likes of sort of um, certainly Messi and, and, and Neymar. Mbappe is a little bit more, I think, uh, work to do, I suppose. But he's, he's got the buy-in from them in terms of how, yeah, where, in terms of how they play and the positioning they take and the interchanging of the positions. They, there's, he's doing something quite well there, I think. And one other thing I just wanted to say on PSG is I, I think um, Hakimi and I think the fullbacks need a lot of credit. Nuno Mendes and... Hakimi, I know we talk about Messi and Mbappe and Neymar a lot, but I, th- I really think Hakimi's having a great uh, season in the Champions League. And um, Nuno Mendes, the, the left-back as well, is a good signing, in my opinion. All right, that'll do for part two. Uh, part three, uh, we'll look back at Monday Night Football and round up any other business. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Vote for us in the Football Supporters Association uh, podcast of the year. Um, go to the fsa.org.uk because if we don't win, Barry, you won't be able to go up on stage and collect the award and it's something that you like to do on an annual basis, isn't it? Um... I mean, I'd get over it. I'd, I'm quite happy just to go along and have a nice meal and a couple of glasses of wine. They always lay on a nice spread. But um, uh, get, getting to, to go on stage and collect silverware and then bring it home on the tube is is, is quite nice. Okay, there we go. The FSA.org.uk. You can vote for The Guardian, for Robin Cowan, for David Squires, Barney Ronay, Susie Rack, um, for our radio show as well. If you would like to, um, on Monday, West Ham beat Bournemouth 2-0. Uh, uh, Ian says, West Ham's last five home goals have been <clears throat> debatable and referee assisted. Does this mean we are now a big club? Jack says, what is a handball? Have we all been gaslit for years? 
Um, Gary O'Neill was very upset, Barry, wasn't he? Lots of walking up to the referee going, it's all right, lads, I've got this, I've got this, and then going on a tirade and just doing a lot of pointing. Um, but I guess for Gary O'Neill, right, you know, he, he doesn't know if he's going to get this job and and these decisions could make a difference. I, I can't tell you if any of them are right or wrong. The first thing I'd say is I think whether or not Gary O'Neill gets this job or not, he's already shown enough to get another job. Uh, possibly not as good a job, but I, I think Gary will be all right. Um, as far as the handball is concerned, it seems utterly absurd that the first one wasn't given, but having heard accounts from various referees, even though it's like a volleyball... Uh, <laughs> it's a spike. Well, it's not a spike. The spike's... Oh, no, uh, true. Yeah. It's, it's teeing up the spike. Uh isn't the spike that one? Oh, okay, right. That one. Sorry, yeah. I, I I thought the smash was the spike. I, I stand corrected or sort of corrected. I don't think either of us are quite sure. Anyway, <laughs> it seems absurd that isn't a handball. But according to a couple of referees I've heard from uh, talking on TV or the radio, they say it isn't a handball. And if that's the case, then the handball law is ridiculous but we already knew that so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so so it's like if you don't make your body bigger but you catch the ball yeah, it's yeah. not a not necessarily a handball i i don't know philippe well i don't i, I don't know what to say the the arms and the hands were were in an unnatural position it was crazy it made no sense when i looked at it i thought okay no goal carry on <sighs> it's quite a natural anyway, position. Anyway, I would refer no, 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 no. Hang on, they're a, they're a natural position if you're sort of carrying like a sort of heavy, a heavy like a like a bag of sand that has no hands. Or, or a Guardian Football Weekly trophy if you're Barry. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah, tube. You're right. But I'm sorry, this is this is absolutely ridiculous. But I I think we should all uh, refer to a, a piece that was written by somebody who is taking part in this pod about not basically respecting referees and not questioning and and reading the laws again yes is that right well in that piece Thanks. i did write i i literally read the handball law i read it to myself as i was writing the piece and said i still don't know what it is and a lot of people got angry about that particular bit of the article which i thought was not a sensationalist controversial thing to say but you know we'll get on to controversial things you can say and getting yelled at in, in just a minute um but anyway look it's a west ham probably deserved to win didn't they bournemouth didn't do much but even still i mean i don't know i don't hate talking about the handball i find it quite fun but you know it just seems like i fabber in right into some sort of pickle uh unai emery has left Villarreal for aston villa villa have paid his six million euro a uh, buyout uh, caretaker Aaron Danks, not Banks, uh, will take charge against Newcastle this weekend. Um, Danks for the memories, he'll say, as he returns to his coaching role. That is a producer Joel Grove joke, if you liked it or didn't. Um, so, so is this a good appointment, Jonathan? Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> I think yes. Don't sound convinced. It's, it's quite... <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not convinced to be honest. I think I just. I'm not quite. Sh- sh- well, obviously, I know what Aston Villa are trying to do. They're trying to be a good football team, but I'm not entirely sure where they're trying to go with, with what they're doing. If that makes sense, because they threw a lot behind that the whole Gerard project, um, and I think Emery is a vastly different manager in terms of philosophy, how he wants to play, like style of football. 
long story short, yes, it is good because he is a good manager. But I'm not exactly sure what Aston Villa are trying to do. That's that's pretty much my reasoning. <laughs> Alex emails, Dear Pod, Aston Villa have eventually found Stephen Gerrard's successor in Unai Emery. Quite ironically, Gerrard was sacked only a few hours after Liz Truss stepped down. And Emery was appointed on the same day Rishi Sunak has become our new Prime Minister. Does that mean that Aston Villa's fortunes are inextricably entangled with the Tories' misfortunes? Can we now rest assured we won't get relegated until the next general election? Unless, can the Tories get relegated, he says. Also, now that Emery has been appointed by every European team containing the word Villa in their names, such as Sevilla, Villarreal, and of course Aston Villa, can the pod think of any other Villa side that might tempt Emery away from Birmingham? Shall we fear the advances of Pelsol Villa FC? Endless love to the pod, he says. Yeah, lots of people pointing out uh, that Emery has managed Villarreal, Sevilla, Aston Villa, and David Villa, which feels very important. Um, uh, Philippe, any thoughts on Emery going to Villa? I'm, I'm like Jonathan. I think a, a very good appointment. Um, he's an excellent coach, excellent manager. Uh, but again, yes, it's one of those projects, inverted commas, which was backed, by the way, by very, very significant investment. Um, so you would have imagined that this a lot of thought went into that. But uh, I... I think it reached a point where they had no choice but to part ways with with Gerard. And if you look at who is available, well, who was a possibility not available, um, I think there's another way, by the way, to look at that is to to look at a manager who is a who's been a, a European Trophy winner, who comes to a club which is trying to stave off relegation. That says a lot about the power of the Premier League, and not necessarily in a good way. On the subject of Aston Villa, we were talking about the Big Five joke I messed up on Soccer AM many years ago. I'm indebted to Emmett, who wrote, you welcomed Aston Villa to the Big Five while Martin O'Neill was at the helm. I still think about this Big Red Five more often than I should, at least once every two months. Chris wanted us to spend a few moments to recognise the magnificence of David Squire's latest cartoon. I mean, David's a wonderful bloke. He's an astonishingly brilliant cartoonist and... um, he said, with a few simple drawings, knock me sideways, said Chris. And it was reflecting, Barry, on the the vile chance that not, not just the... Not, well, not the Man City fans singing. It was actually the Forest fans singing always the victim to Liverpool fans uh, at the weekend. Yeah. Um, and we, we mentioned this, or I mentioned it, brought it up on the radio on Sunday and our console lit up with chippy tweets from Forest fans claiming that the always the victim chant is not about Hillsborough, which I think is not true. I think it can be about Hillsborough without mentioning Hillsborough. And it clearly upsets relatives of people who were killed in the Hillsborough disaster and people who were affected by the Hillsborough disaster. And it's important to mention that quite a lot of Nottingham Forest fans were affected by the Hillsborough disaster because they were there. And but for the grace of God, uh, they could have been in the Leppings Lane end rather than Liverpool supporters. Just don't sing about tragedy. <laughs> There's no need for it. Uh, but such is the nature of football tribalism. We we see it manifest itself in so many different ways. Uh, but, yeah, Squires absolutely nailed it. And, and if you haven't seen his cartoon, seek it out. Do. Owen says, what are the panel's thoughts on Peter Tatchell's protest in Qatar? Obviously, the cause is very important. 
Um, I worry for members of the public trying to recreate the protest during the World Cup without the security of being a celebrity in the UK. Uh, in a statement, Peter Tatchell said he was surrounded and interrogated by nine officers who asked where I was from, who was helping me, where I was staying. And when I was leaving Qatar, uh, he said officials also arrested his colleague who was filming the event. Um, Philippe. I should say that, um, Max, we've uh, we've recorded actually uh, just yesterday uh, a long conversation um, about the uh, situation of LGBTQI plus people in Qatar, be the Qatari or Qatari residents. And that one thing that all the participants in this podcast, which you will hear in a couple of weeks' time, something like that, were saying, myself included, was that people taking on the role of savior in Qatar um, would actually do something which is harmful to the people who live there and who will be there when the World Cup circus has moved, that um, the people I've been in touch with, myself, have consistently, from, from this community in Qatar, have consistently said, don't do it, and that Peter Tatchell is fully aware of that. I won't go further than that. Um, it's an issue that we'll be talking at, you know, in greater length as it deserves to be talked about uh, in another um, podcast of, of the Guardian Football Weekly. Finally, on a slightly different subject, Craig says, does Paul Mullen deserve to move to a bigger club, mainly just to show off his new boots? Uh, Wrexham have banned the striker, uh, Cambridge legend Paul Mullen, from wearing his boots, which featured a blunt message directed at the Conservative Party. Uh, they said, uh, excuse my language, to uh, copy Philippe, fuck the Tories. Um, uh, the National League Club described Mash Mullen's fashion statement as an unwelcome distraction. Um the Guardian report uh, quoted me, Barry. This is just shows the depths that no one was really talking about this story. I just sent a tweet saying I thought it was funny, and I got a lot. I mean, I just just don't tweet. I said a lot of mentions seemed unnecessary. Well, but you didn't say it was funny. You, you said you respected him more for his that gesture than for anything he'd done at Cambridge United. All the goals I did, he scored. yes. So you know, be accurate, Max. <laughs> You're right. I should be accurate. Well. Yes, well, okay. I agree with this. I agree with the sentiment. Yeah, I think we all agree with the sentiment. But I mean, I think the reason Wrexham moves so quickly was that the MP for Wrexham is a Tory, Sarah Atherton. She was elected in the last election after Wrexham had been a Labour stronghold for eighty years. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Rob Rackelhenny and Ryan Reynolds discussing this in a future episode of, of Welcome to Wrexham. It has to be said that I believe they played Halifax uh, last night in front of a, something like 10,000 people. And, and there was a chant going around the terraces, um, which actually was exactly what you think it would be. Well, I did get some tweets from listeners to the pod who are conservative supporters who weren't happy with it. And I did say, look, I, I don't know. I mean, it's... It's, it's I, I would I, I would argue, Max, that Tories, whether they listen to the pod or not, deserve to be unhappy because loads of us are unhappy <laughs> and it's largely because of them and the party they support. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't want to put them off listening to the pod, but... No. Come on. I don't understand how, if you're the Home Secretary, you can resign and then six days later be appointed again. That seems not a long time to resign, doesn't it? Anyway, what do we know? It's not talk politics. It's not the Guardian Politics Weekly. That probably exists, and you should listen to it. One of uh, producer Joel's, his other joke in the past 24 hours was on the WhatsApp, where we were talking about 
having an intervention after you went rogue. And uh, he said, oh, football wokely. (laughs) 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 Well, that's definitely us. We are the tofu eaters, aren't we? Uh, Anyway, uh, thanks so much. Uh, for listening uh, who, whatever your political affiliation uh, thank you Philippe thank you very much Max thank you Jonathan thank you thank you Barry thank you uh, Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove our executive producer is Christian Bennett this is The Guardian 